Welcome to the Shepherd's Crick Podcast. This ministry exists to provide coaching, resources, and events for pastors and church members. My name is Jared Sparks. Join me as I talk pastoral ministry, applied theology like manhood and womanhood, political theology, and cultural analysis with a little bit of hunting and fishing thrown in. I'm a husband, a father, and a pastor, and I'm here to remind you of the chief pastor and our king, Jesus. Hello and welcome back to The Shepherd's Crook. Hope you guys are all doing well today. We're going to talk about eschatology on fire. We're doing a series out of Romans chapter 14, and we are talking about different doctrines within the Christian faith that we should be personally fully convinced of and yet open-handed with when it comes to the broader body of Christ or even the body of Christ in the context of a local church. So today we're going to talk eschatology. But let's go ahead and pray and then get to a few announcements and then to our content. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. As always, we want to honor you, and God, I want to help people that are listening in. So thank you for every single person that's tuning in right now. Pray for blessing upon them, whatever they have going on this week. Lord, thank you that we got to celebrate yesterday the finished work of Christ before any other work happens this week. And so, Jesus, thank you that you are alive. Holy Spirit, thank you for empowering us. And Heavenly Father, thank you for your for your care over us. We ask for a blessing upon this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Three big things. Number one. Membership. You've been hearing me talk about it. If you want to be a member of the Shepherd's Crook, you can do so for $5 a month, and that will get you a once a month newsletter right to your mailbox. It's got a wax seal on it. I've got a little wax seal. Uh, years ago, I learned about that from the Art of Manliness. Really enjoyed that. And so you'll get a newsletter that comes to your mailbox once a month. And then at the end of the year, you're going to get a thumb drive of all the content from the video and audio that I've uploaded over the entire year. So if you want in on that, Sign up. Let me know. All you have to do is message me. I can get you on that list, and then you can either send a check. I'll, I'll send you an address. So you can actually send a physical check, or you can do that via PayPal. And then when we get things up and going on the membership, you can actually do that right on the site, which will be happening at some point. Also, second thing, we have the Sons and Slaves podcast. If you would, pause right now and go subscribe to the Sons and Slaves podcast. You can find that on iTunes or anywhere, really, I believe, at this point. I think it's on almost every platform. If you would want to subscribe to that, I'm talking about manhood. We had our first, or talking about fatherhood, excuse me, and we had our first interview. I talked to Doug Wilson about being a father and rites of passage. And so all the fatherhood content, all the boys growing into a man content is going to be over at Sons and Slaves. And my boys are the co-hosts, Ransom and Valor. And I just thought it would be a lot of fun to start a podcast together. It really has been because it's really intentional conversations. When we sit down to have our conversations, Ransom, or Valor's always drinking a chai tea latte. Ransom's always drinking milk. And I've always got my coffee. And we're having a good conversation about just whatever we're talking about that day. Right now, we're in a series that's going to be about 30 weeks. We're going through the book Boyhood and Beyond by Bob Schultz, but then I'm going to have also just interviews here and, here and there with fathers that I respect and trust. Uh, we're also going to be interviewing guys from the church, some boys from the church, so Cohen Deaton's going to be on, and then some other friends of ours, Graham and Liam, and we're going to have Creed and some other boys from the church as well that are just going to talk about boyhood. And so if your sons are younger and, and you're thinking through raising them into men, it's good for the boys and it's good for you to be able to, to listen to that, that content. That's what we want to do. We want to help fathers and sons 
and have a lot of fun in the process. So Sons and Slaves podcast, we're sons of our father and we're slaves of our master all through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Sons and Slaves podcast. And then finally, the YouTube channel. I've had to migrate my Gab TV material and I'm slowly uploading that over at YouTube. And I've got a ton of content on there that's not on the podcast. I've got a, just a bunch of life skills content and other things that I put together over the last three or four years as I've been uploading Gab TV videos. Those are all going to YouTube. So if you want to get some of that exclusive content, you can do that. Just check out the link in the show notes and go to YouTube and hit subscribe. And if you're watching on the YouTube channel right now, then hit like and if you're not subscribed, subscribe and then hit that little bell uh, because I'm going to be doing some live videos as well that uh, you may want to check out. Okay, now, that's all the announcements to the content. Here we go, out of Romans chapter 14. As for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him and do not quarrel over opinions. One believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, this passage is telling us there's differences of opinion on one day and another day. And there's going to be one who looks at one day and sees it as more significant than another day. And God is telling us that each should be fully convinced in their own mind. So fully convinced personally, and last week I introduced this talking about the difference between personal dogma and corporate or or the church dogma, so congregational uh, statements or confessions, and it comes directly from this. We're talking about days of the week or foods that we eat, and what I'm wanting to do is broaden it then and think through what are the other doctrines. So today we're talking about eschatology on fire. Eschatology is one of those conversations that's kind of like schooling. Back when I was pastoring at a church before the, the one we're at now at, at our church, there was a conversation that was pretty heated in a small group, and it was about schooling, where you're going to send your children and why. And this is about, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago, something something like that at this point. And the conversations got heated pretty quick. Eschatology is kind of like that, right? There's uh, people in the room, and generally speaking, there's so many people that are still pre uh, you know, premillennial, dispensational, premillennial type that get really excited. When I was a kid, I remember going to my grandfather's house. And at my grandfather's house, there was literally the huge 12-foot long across the room leather piece of uh, piece of leather that had all the stages of the tribulation and when the return of Christ would come and then the whole stages of the the tribulation and then when it comes to the thousand year reign and the whole thing was just pulled across like Schofield himself was my grandfather and he would talk talk us through all this that's what I grew up with and that's what many of you grew up with was pre-millennial dispensational theology and you get somebody like that in the room that's a diehard futurist that believes everything is in the future still and there's uh, even if they are a dual fulfillment kind of person which you have to be to be a pre-millennial and they get really fired up and excited about it. And then you start to realize in eschatology, after you know you learn that there's something more than what you grew up with, because you grow up w- with one way of thinking about the future events or the end times, and you start listening to other people and realizing, wait a minute, there's a rich history within the Christian church of differing positions on end times. And you start hearing about this thing called amillennialism and realizing, man, there is a a lot of biblical scholars and Christians and churches that hold to the amillennial view. And then you hear about this thing called postmillennialism, and you think, well, man, 
Jonathan Edwards was a post-millennialist, and most of the founding fathers were post-millennialists. And George Washington, I just listened to a lecture about George Washington. He had a, a post-mill vision. Many of them, in discovering the new world, thought that this, this golden era of the millennial reign was being ushered in. And all these positions, you start to listen and you think, man, there's merit to these different positions. But what you'll realize is people get really excited and really passionate. And if you've been in, in the eschatology debate over the last few years, especially if you, be, you become post-mill, it's easy to become a cage stage post-millennialist, isn't it? You get so excited about post-millennial eschatology and you, you're fired up about it and you want to correct everybody. And my goodness, everybody else is, they, the caricatures begin to build with the post-mill crew towards everybody else that pre-mills are just polishing brass on a sinking ship and everything is uh, the loser mentality and loser theology like John MacArthur said. And there's just no reason to build or have children and live your life and build institutions and expect God to do anything cause, because by golly, you're just going to be a loser the rest of your life. That's the that's the caricature, and then with amillennialism, it's uh, hey, don't you realize that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, and the emphasis is on on earth right now. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, and don't you realize that Matthew twenty four, all, all these things will take place. This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. I mean, this is you know things that I'm really enjoying and, and have enjoyed, and the eschatology conversation can turn into eschatology on fire, where people with differing positions within a church can get to the point where they are there's real division here happening where there's there's such such an excitement about it where people feel maligned or they feel misrepresented and so in this conversation about eschatology you get it it's very important to let people who hold differing views share their views on eschatology and it's very important for you who hold a differing view to understand their view as best as you possibly can so how can you maintain unity in in the context of a local church and yet be firmly rooted in your eschatology. Well, number one, you have to know eschatology. You have to see that it is important. It really is important. And for years, the pan-millennialists, as they call them themselves, and uh, I I was one of them where I just thought, you know, it's all going to pan out in the end. We all agree Jesus is coming back. Everything's going to be better in the future kind of thing. Um, And we can all just agree to disagree if we disagree. But that kind of mentality actually minimizes the command that Jesus just gives us about certain doctrines in the faith that we should be fully convinced in our own mind. You have to recognize that these doctrines matter and the doctrine of eschatology matters. And personally, you need to come to a place that you are fully convinced of your understanding of of uh, the end times and how Christ will return and the prophecy timeline of when prophecies happened and if there's any to be fulfilled still and, and how many of those are to be fulfilled still, not necessarily numerically, but in, on the timeline, which are the ones that are still to be fulfilled? How much of Revelation is fulfilled? How much isn't fulfilled? How much of Matthew 24 is, I mean, you kind of have to agree that it's at some point, <clears throat> like I said already, even for the dual fulfillment guys, you have to somewhat believe that it's all been accomplished because this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And then it's somehow going to then happen again. But you need to be fully convinced okay, about these things. And then we have to be kind to those in the congregation that disagree. We don't want to misrepresent them because we love them. We don't want to build a caricature of their position because we care about them. And likewise, we don't want them to caricature our position or build up a straw man against our position. We want to understand the best that we can those that we disagree with, and we want to know why we disagree with them, but we don't want to alienate them. I mentioned this last week 
to be a part of a Calvary Chapel church, and still to this day, there's a lot of fundamentalist Baptist churches or King James King James only churches that are a lot different than the Calvary Chapel movement. But one common denominator between the two is that they ran with the Hal Lindsey, they ran with C.I. Schofield, and they require a pre-millennial position to be a member of a local church. Last week, the exact words I use, used was, I think that's out of bounds. And I stand by that. It's out of bounds to require uniformity in the context of a local church when it comes to eschatology. Instead, know your position, be fully convinced, and then be generous and don't build up straw man against a straw man against brothers and sisters in Christ in the context of your church. And so uh, for the Christchurch family in January, we're going to be going through eschatology. When I hear Josh lay out premillennialism, who's an elder candidate for us and looking to be an elder over the next year and a half or so, it makes sense to me. Yeah, I get that. When I'm when I hear an amillennial perspective, okay, yeah, I get that. I see where you're coming from. And when I lay out my postmillennialism week one, <laughs> I'm hoping that people say, yeah, I see where you're coming from. I, I see why you land where you land. And then at the end of uh, that month, the hope is if we're actually going to be more unified, even though we might be more, be, uh, be more solidified in our personal convictions. I hope that makes sense. So I think there's other categories we're going to go through the next few weeks where we think through this of how we can maintain unity and yet be fully convinced personally and yet open-handed to the brothers and, and sisters. We, we don't need to be the cage stage, especially for the post-mill folks. Everything's been burning down around us. Everybody's been coming uh, post-millennial, it seems like, and we don't need to caricature everybody else. That's that's the, the whole thing. We need to maintain unity and fight to maintain unity. A really good episode with uh, Doug Wilson, again, coming out. I've got one coming out for uh, the Sons and Slaves podcast, but also for the Shepherd's Crook here in about three weeks, where we talk about this, how we can maintain unity when it comes to differing positions on eschatology. So be on the lookout for that. Okay, guys, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks again for listening to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. For more information, you can go to theshepherdscrook.co. Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes. And if you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook, please message me and we'll get you on the list. We hope you have a great rest of your day.